Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of More Than a White Man's Game, a baseball podcast on the House of L Network. I'm your host, Maddie Lee, and today we're bringing back on, I think this might be our first set of repeat guests. We're going to have Eugene McIntosh and Terrence Tomlin, co-founders of the Bigs Media, back on to reflect on this season. I had them on at the beginning of the season to kind of preview the year and promised you then that we'd have them on at the end. Kept my promise. They were so kind to come on and do this with me in the middle of, you know, still baseball playoffs going on. Um, But the end of the road for first the Cubs and then the White Sox, it's been a hectic last couple of weeks covering the White Sox playoff push. I've been covering the White Sox. Terrence has always been covering the White Sox. And Eugene came on as well. For those of you who don't follow me in terms of my writing for NBC Sports Chicago, I had started the season covering the Cubs, and I spent last season covering the Cubs. But after their big trade deadline overhaul a little while after that, uh, the, they moved me over to strengthen our White Sox coverage, really beef it up, right, so that we had multiple people on it. Got to work with the wonderful Vinny Duber, who has been there for years and was just such a pleasure, but also a wild ride for me, switching beats in the middle of the year and coming on for the last several weeks of a team that's been talking about their playoff aspirations and their World Series aspirations, really. Obviously, they didn't make it there, but they'd had high hopes for that since spring training. So it's been a wild ride and taken the last couple days to kind of digest that and and sleep a little bit since there wasn't much of that going on in the last few weeks of the season and the playoffs. Long, long work days, but lots of fun totally worth it so i'm so excited to have eugene and terrence on to dissect all of that all of this crazy year for the teams on both sides of town we'll spend a little more time on the white Sox since that playoff push is so guess front of mind right but also dive into some Cubs scenarios and really looking forward for both of these teams at what they need to do you know the Cubs to their next steps in this rebuild that they're not calling a rebuild and for the White Sox how they get to that spot where they're you know, not just winning one playoff game, not getting bounced in the first round. Because last year that was the 
the um, wild card series and this year the division series. So we cover all of that and more. I'll bring in the guys. Eugene, Terrence, thank you so much for coming in. And we promised the people a wrap-up episode. Thanks for making it happen. Anytime, Maddie Lee. Any, any, anytime. It's, and, you know, on top of that, it's always good when you let things marinate a little bit. I think we may be able to get some some real good uh, some real good answers out of us after being able to, you know, move on a little bit. I agree. I at, As soon as that last game ended, I don't know about you guys, but my brain was just fried. After <laughs> over 162 games, it's like, I, don't, I can't tell you which one happened two weeks ago and what we just watched. <laughs> Maddie, I'm so glad you said it. I feel like that after every baseball season. <laughs> Um, especially this one, man, it's been an up and down one, you know, injuries, a lot of stuff to talk about all year, yeah. you know, uh, you know, both sides of town. Yeah. I, so I debated internally about which one we should start with. I'm thinking we start with socks because it's fresher and then Cubs, we can talk mostly pushing to the future. Cause I don't know how many people want to relive the last couple of months of the season. Probably only Frank Schwindel and Patrick. <laughs> Schwizdom. Yeah, Schwizdom, exactly. Schwindy City. Schwin, you know, yeah. They, yeah. Hey, y'all got the nickname game ready. Uh, Gino, we, some of those may be ready to go. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, you guys are the nickname kings. Although the, the reigning nickname kings for like six years in a row. And now they're all so. gone. <laughs> hey maybe there's a chance one of, no. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that um well let's do white socks then terrence i'm pretty sure your bold prediction from the last time we did this which feels like 10 years ago was that they'd win the world series don't, don't tell anybody that <laughs> <laughs> remember what mine was so <laughs> feel, feel free to call me out on whatever wild idea I came up with but I mean what what was going through your head as that division series wrapped up you know what I had no memory of choosing them to go to the world series only because I feel in the beginning of the season, that was when everybody was riding high. That was before the injuries came. And, uh, you know, that was before you kind of saw the road that they had to get through to get to the World Series. Um, and I kind of had, in the middle of the season, I feel like I had to kind of reshape uh, my expectations. And from that point on, you know, I, World Series, even though it was definitely always an option, I, I, not an option, but I feel like it was always a possibility that the American league this year was so strong where it looks like everybody had a real chance to go. But um, I think it was after game one versus Houston is when I, the first time I actually felt like, okay, that's, that's dead. Like that's not going to happen this year. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that that means that they didn't have a, a great season. You know, I feel like all things considered, overcoming the injuries that they overcame, 
mm-hmm. you still saw a bunch of growth that uh, and, and that was the ultimate goal is can they continue to push the needle forward and not take a step back and that ended up being the case yeah i feel like as we've talked to guys over the last few days and obviously in the immediate aftermath of their season ending they've all kind of said the same thing which i i honestly was a little surprised about how obviously you're not going to come out and be like this season sucked it's the worst but they had such high expectations coming in and they talked in spring training about wanting to go wanting to win the world series and so for them to come out of this and be like I think we did take steps forward overall I see this as successful I think I was a little a little surprised by that you know I when I when you talk about world series expectations I feel like it's more like World Series hopes and dreams. You know what I mean? It's more expectations. You never really know how the season is going to go. I mean, you look at the Red Sox, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, look at the Atlanta Braves. You know, things that happen to those guys, I'm not sure if you could expect them to go to the World Series, but things, you know, just fail the way they fail. But um, I think that the White Sox saw that they had a, a lot to improve, you know, it, as far as some areas that they thought they may have addressed that they didn't, that that's still popping up on that to-do list at the end of the season. Um, the way they got beat kind of put things in perspective and made it clear, you know? Yeah. You guys were both at Houston for those first couple games. And I know we talked so much with the White Sox leading up to that about their experience last year and how – that would help prepare them for the playoffs this year. But a lot of guys acknowledged, and this ended up being absolutely true, that this was completely different. These playoffs were completely different from last year. Just having fans in the building, the atmosphere is completely different. What did, how big of a deal do you guys both think that that was? Maddie, I was kind of, Honestly, that was one of the areas where I felt like I was more surprised when it came to this White Sox team is that, you know, based on some of the comments from the guys from the post-game press conference, is that the atmosphere was one of the things that got to them. And, and then I had to remember this is a team that played 60, you know, basically 60 games without a crowd last year, and then played a, a playoff series in a bubble with, you know, with the minimum of fans. But at the same time, you know, we heard Lucas Giolito say things like the Houston atmosphere kind of shook him up in game two. And in the back of my head, I was like, this is a guy that is pitching a high leverage situation. It's a perfect game. Uh, he has a playoff win under his belt. But if you are actually in that Houston atmosphere, you get it, man. That, 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 that Houston crowd deserves a lot of credit because even I didn't know that they got down like that, Matty. I didn't know that they were as real as they were. And uh, that's, that's a very crazy atmosphere to play in. But if you have World Series aspirations, you know, that's the atmosphere that you're going to have to live in, you know? Right. And also, shoot, uh, I mean, this is a team that's not new to going to the ALCS. So with this being their fifth time, you already knew what, well, like you said, we'd never been a minute made. You can only, you know, we only see this on TV, but when you get there, it's like, well, yeah, this, this, this is the atmosphere of a winning franchise. Well, 
as of late. I mean, the Houston Astros are one of those franchises, but as of late, I mean, that resembled, you know, a team that has championship aspirations. So when, like what T said, when Lucas Giolito says something like that, it, it surprised me that if that was the truth, that he came out and said that, because now it's like, okay, if our, one of our so-called leaders feels that way, then who knows how the other guys are feeling. So when you see, you know, just, and even though, you know, they went down 2-0 and when you're inexperienced like those guys, I mean, it's hard to come back, even though you're coming back home to play. I mean, it's hard to, even in a five game series, it's hard to win, you know, three games. Right. It will have to be three in a row. And we know that's one of the toughest things to do in sports. So, I mean, it was a learning experience, like I said, like T said, you know, you, you growing pains, even though they did have, you know, that appearance against the Oakland A's last year was, was a 60 game sprint. You know, they were playing in front of no fans. So kind of just getting back into the normalities of baseball. And, you know, I told T, you know, when we talked about it a couple of times towards the end of the year, I said, man, the Houston Astros is probably the worst possible matchup you know, first round for the White Sox. And I mean, they will have to face them eventually. Right. So, I mean, it's just good for them to have that experience. They got a bunch of young guys that's just interested to see, what, you know, where they're headed in the off season. And, you know, they got to spend some money. You know, that's, that's, the, that's how you win in baseball. You spend money and you compliment the guys you already got. So that's what I want to see going forward. And, and just to jump back in real quick, Maddie, I, and this is in response to some of the things I saw you know, from the fan base, mm-hmm. I feel like it, you know, that quick exit and the way they got pounded on by the Astros made the fan base feel like a lot of that talking in the beginning of the season, you know, put a big target on their backs. And it kind of, you know, you put your, mm-hmm. your hand in the fire, you realize it's realize it's hot. Now you're kind of apprehensive to put it back in. But I feel like for athletes, for pro athletes and the style of athletes that the White Sox have, guys that feed off their character, feed off the energy from within, you got to kind of talk yourself up. And, and and sometimes it may sound kind of boastful, may sound, you know, kind of like you're getting ahead of yourself. But me personally, that's an aspect that I hope that the White Sox players don't feel they need to change, you know? Yeah. You found out that you were kind of ahead of the game, maybe ahead of your schedule. But if if you got beat to where now you got to zip it up, you know what I mean? That's when you don't, you know, that's when I start to worry about regression, start worrying about these guys taking steps back. I absolutely agree because we always talk about the teams who win the world series and it's like, Oh, they said that they would do it in February. Like they knew from the beginning, it's like, well, you, if you don't start saying that in February, you're never going to, you know, finish having called it. Right. Like the only reason that it's a big deal is because they didn't get there, but like they keep, keep saying it, you know, Eventually, maybe they'll. <laughs> if it, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali said, "I was the greatest way before." Uh, I was saying I was the greatest even before I knew it. Before I was, right. so that kind of you know that's kind of an extension of that, I guess, right? No, oh, that's perfect. Eugene, you mentioned going back home. Can we talk for a minute about the Chicago crowd? Because yes, Minute Maid was cool and electric and definitely a playoff atmosphere we got back to Chicago and I was like my 
my ears might not last this whole game. Like, I feel like my eardrums are about to get blown out. Yeah, it was ecstatic in there. I, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. White Sox fans, you know, it's been, what was it, 2008 was the last mm-hmm. playoff game. So, last playoff, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like T said, the fan base, you know, they started off hot. You know, they had these high expectations and aspirations. So, you know, they knew that they had to hide their guys' backs, and especially being down 2-0. I know they saw what Houston did in Minute Maid, so it's like, no, nah, this is Chicago. You know, much love to Houston, H-Town, you know, much love, but this is the south side of Chicago, and we definitely have to come out and show and prove. So I think uh, the fans did a great job of coming out and supporting. Me and T were looking, though, with the blackout, it, it, I feel like, I don't know how, the black, the blackout, it hit harder during the daytime than it did that first mm-hmm. night game. I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, I understood, you know, I understood what they were shooting for, but I don't think it hit as hard with them waving the black towels. It just didn't hit as hard as those orange towels were hitting. Yeah. I think that's what it was. The, like coming from Minute Maid with the orange towels. And I, I got kind of, you know, disoriented looking at that over and over. But uh, you know what? The As far as the crowd on the South Side, easily, you know, easily the craziest crowd I've ever seen on the South Side personally. Um, I have people that were part of some of the crowds in 2005 during the, during the World Series. Uh, that, that said it was on that level. I, I, wow. I didn't go to any playoff games in 2005. I, I think I went to a couple of White Sox versus Cubs games, but those games were amazing. Now, I remember those at 16 years old. But, uh, but Gene, I feel like your point with the uh, with the blackout, they, they had to keep it in line with the theme of the season to change the game and everything like that. But during the day, you know, I, I, I did think it hit a little harder as far as the visual. But that next day, you know, that next day it was a you know a day game. It's hard to get energy when you know when you're down big. You know, I don't care where you are. So I, I see some some people. You got up for the game and then you got rained out and then had to get up for it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, you're asking the fans for a lot. You know, that was like their recovery day. That was they was planning on using that as a recovery <laughs> day for the wild day they had at the park the previous day. But um, unfortunately, you know, that crowd definitely just like, we'll see you next season, guys. You know? I mean, that's but, the uh, way to think. That's the way. That's, to that was, Gene yeah. took the words out of my mouth. The guys yeah. play like that, yeah. yeah it was like, uh, I was telling T, we were doing our post-game rap. And I was just like, there was a power outage. And I think, in there, you know, no crying in baseball, no excuses. But I think, you know, the momentum they had winning game three, I think they lost a little bit of it with the mm-hmm. with the game being postponed. And even Tim Anderson going 0 for 5 or whatever, 0 for 4, whatever he went that day. It's that same, like me and T said, it's like Dexter Fowler was in 16 for the Cubs. They go as he goes. Yeah. And Do you think they got a little ahead of themselves? And, and I'm just thinking back to that day. Did It, it wasn't particularly rainy through through what would have been game time, but I don't, I'm, I don't know if my memory is on point, but I don't know. I, maybe I'm, you know, poking at the bear a little bit, but uh, it did end up raining pretty, you know, well that night. I do know that. Yeah. And then we had the, the tornado warnings yeah, on top yeah. of that. Can't do that. <laughs> it's a lot. But 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like they came, even though the scores in Houston were definitely lopsided, like they made those late pushes and I feel like they just didn't have another one in them. No, that's 100% the case, especially like when you said you're playing a much better team. Then you got probably the pitcher that's beat on you the most throughout the entire season on the mound. Right. The last game, Lance McCullers. Uh, it, it just was the the perfect recipe to get the White Sox out of the mix. Uh, and, and Gino, to echo what you said again, uh, most likely was the number one team that the White Sox didn't want to see in the first round. And, and you know, listening to the Astros speak after the game, even that, you know, was uh, perplexing. It stood out to me. The Astros just sound different. You know, they, they sound like they have a different approach, approach to the game that the White Sox just haven't discovered yet. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a baseball team that's years in front of the White Sox. And, uh, you know, listen to Carlos, listening to Carlos Correa and uh, his approach to that at-bat in game four where he hit that, uh, yeah. that two-out double with two strikes. Just a, a supremely confident elite hitter uh, that the White Sox hopefully, you know, took some pages out of their book. You know, hopefully next season when they get into the playoffs, we we come back here and we say stuff like, oh, they they learned they learned that from the Astros last year. Yeah, where Correa was basically like, I knew a fastball was coming. Yeah. And then it came and I hit it really far. He said he snuck to Bobby. He said, I saw him out there beating on his chest. And he said, Yeah, I knew he was gonna try to sneak in with Bobby. I sat back, waited on it, barreled it up. And that's what got us going. But to echo what T was saying about Carlos Correa, it's like, and I had a message for Jed Hoyer as well. And it's like, look, dude, you got to do everything you have to do in your power to get Carlos Correa on the north side of Chicago. <laughs> and I know, and me and T have this back and forth all the time, but I'm like, regardless of where the Cubs stand, as far as the standings are concerned, Wrigley Field is always going to be a destination for a free agent. So whatever you have to do, and I mean whatever, Maddie Lee. <laughs> Maddie, Write him a blank check. Thank you. You fill it in, bro. You put however many zeros behind it you need, <laughs> and we'll give you 10 years on it. But that's the kind of guy that I want leading my ball club. You know, Do you his, think they will? I mean, I think they'll make a push, but I think it's going to be very hard for Jed Hoyer to convince Tom Ricketts to spend that money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, and, and I had a good time laughing at, uh, you know, the, the few Cub anecdotes in the middle of the season. It's like, oh, you guys got to stop. <laughs> but, um, but you know, Gene, and, and this is in all seriousness, I just, and, and, and he knows how I feel, I, I'm just not sure if that's on the Cubs menu for this offseason. I feel you. But and then and then at the same time, the rest of the teams are, are watching Carlos Correa too, and they're getting their bags ready. Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like you know Carlos Correa is going to be a hot commodity, and uh, it's a number of teams that are going to be after him. I'm not sure if the Cubs are the most attractive one, just from a general standpoint. Now, when you start to talk he about yeah, it's, and that's what I told Gene, Maddie, and and kind of just uh, what I was alluding to when I was just talking about listening to those guys. Though 
you know, that's a, a free agent. I feel like winning actually matters to him, not just getting the bag. He wants to be in a situation, a situation where, you know, he's playing at this part of the season. So I know that. I'm not sure if the Cubs fit into that situation. And I know that, you know, talk about team spending money. You always got the Yankees over there with their both hands <laughs> in the bank, you know, <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I told Gene, I'm looking at the Tigers. If you're talking about an up-and-coming team that's not really on that level, I had a good time watching the Tigers during the end of the season. And uh, yeah. Carlos Correa would fit really nice over there. And as a White Sox fan, I hate it. You know, that that doesn't sound very exciting to me. I would much rather him, you know, if he wants to throw a Cubby Blue and the White Sox only see him two times a year, uh, in, in, instead of every game, which is seems like <laughs> if they play the Tigers. Uh, but again, Carlos Correa, man, any, any team would, like you said, Gino, would want him on it. He, you know, it's going to be a lot of teams revving up their engines to go after him. Yeah. I like that Tigers idea. Cause they're, I mean, they're knocking on the door. So if you want to go somewhere that is poised to start winning and being a part of that, yes, that push. They really caught my attention at the end of the season, Maddie, where I thought, the White Sox had some games where they were, you know, could kind of sleepwalk through. What uh, the Tigers was like, nope, we gonna hit you over the head, so get up and sweep. Yeah, and, and it was legit, you know. So, but uh, I'm just throwing some ideas out there. I, I, maybe I shouldn't put that in the atmosphere. I take it back, <laughs> White Sox fans. I take it back. You've just manifested that for <laughs> I'm so for sorry. the Tigers. I don't know how much time I want to spend in Detroit either. Hey, you know. Hey, Miggy, Miggy, how many years? Oh, yeah, but you know why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, run me, put put them zeros back there and we can discuss it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Chicago, I mean, Cubs have a great city to market. But you might have to, you might have to up the money if you can't, prom- if, because I don't know what the timeline of the rebuild is. And go. There and I'm go. not sure that they know. So what are you going to tell free agents? Like, oh, yeah, if you can't say yes, we'll be winning this year or next year. Mm-hmm. You got to find something else to offer. Not to make this just the Korea podcast, but can we also acknowledge that uh, bat drop? I guess we're, oh, yeah. was that Friday? Trying to get the days of the week right? That's oh, yeah. one of the best bad drops I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the, like you said one of the smoothest bad drops I've ever seen. Yeah, it it, it may be top three to me. The, you know he he's he's just that dude. You know he's one of the best, and I've seen a lot of baseball. He's he's one of the best postseason hitters that I've ever seen. Like no no moment is too big for him. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have to acknowledge the sign-stealing scandal, but that doesn't take away from what he's doing, what he's done. No, it, it, it doesn't, but you know what? I kind of thought of it in a different perspective uh, during a divisional series where you come in from a White Sox angle, you think they're playing to be that next team to bust through the door, mm-hmm. but then you remember at the same time the Astros are fighting for their dignity. You know what I mean, and I'm not trying. I'm not saying that 
you know, they cheated, you know, and, and didn't get any kind of real punishment for it. But it doesn't mean that the negativity that was pointed to us, and that's that didn't affect them. And they've spent a whole season really fighting against that. And I, you got to see in the postseason that that's been a real driving force. It's like, this is a confident team already. You make them angry and give them something to prove. This is what any team that's five years into an era wants. See what I mean? It's like, how do you live or how do you get to five, you know, ALCSs in a row? Got to have something to play for. And, and this this particular season was a, a almost like a revenge season. It was a, you know, a FU season, you know, to to every other person in baseball that started the season. Oh, we're going to throw at the Astros every time we see them. To every fan base that was like, oh, when the Astros come to town and now Tuve comes up, we're going to boo you know, the living crap out of him and we're going to have trash cans. Yeah. That, and that's going to be the tamest part. Yeah, that's like the, the bad guy where you throw all the, you know, he absorbs the energy and <laughs> throws it back at you. So the Astros have been a very, very worthy villain uh, this season and uh, have landed some mouth shots on a couple of teams that thought it was sweet. So, yeah, no, that's a great point. That like, this is their chance to be like, hey, we can do this without cheating. I mean, we'll see. Even though they did, you know, the cheating, again, they didn't get any, you know, any right. repercussions. Like, that's crazy. But uh, you, you got to play the game. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right. Eugene, you said they have to spend. You want to see them spend. What do the White Sox have to go out and do this off season? Uh, that's a good question, man. I think, I mean, obviously we saw a flaw in the starting rotation. So when you think about, like T was talking about Lucas Giolito, and we know the season that he had last year, but when you come back and you look at this season, it's like, well, where did his growth stifle? Because something wasn't right. And I don't know if that's, on him or if it's on the pitching staff, you know, the coaches, I don't know what was going on there, but you know, a guy with stuff like that and who was headed on a upward trajectory, I felt like there was something, something missing, something went wrong there. So I feel like they need to make a decision on Gary Crochet and Michael Kopech. Are they going to, you know, move those guys up into the starting rotation? Oh, yeah. Obviously, with Carlos Rodon, you know, being a free agent, you remember we talked to him. I, I don't know if you t- – I'm pretty sure you and Jordan caught him at um at Wrigley. I'm not sure if it was you or Gordon, Maddie, but – Oh, yeah, that was Gordon. Yeah, and, you know, he talked Shout about – Gordon Wittenmeyer? Yeah, Mr. Wittenmeyer, man. Possibly, you know, Rodon possibly coming to the north side this year, so – I mean, I think he's pitched his last game in the White Sox uniform. So that role will probably need to be filled. And like I said, you know, that we saw what they did with Craig Kimbrell. And, and I mean, I don't know. What about second base? I know Cesar Hernandez. I mean, he was he was okay. In the field. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, that obviously needs to be addressed. Yes. 
And then the, the, the right field situation is like, there was just a lot, you know, those are positions that you need to have an everyday guy that you can trust at those positions. Yeah. So they got a lot of work to do though. The flaws were on full display against a team who, you know, has the experience and who they've had their growing pains and they've been through it and seen it all. So I think the White Sox, they, you know, they are ahead of schedule, but, and this is baseball. This isn't basketball where, you know, usually the best team wins. You know, in baseball, it's all about who's playing the best baseball heading into October. And if you catch that hot streak at the right time, you know, you could bring it home. So you got to take advantage of those opportunities when they come. And that's what the, the Sox, you know, need to be focused on as far as I'm concerned next year. Now, you guys probably have a much better outlook since you were there on a daily basis. So I would love to hear what you guys think about that. You know, let me just take a second to say I wish that uh, it wasn't such a foregone conclusion that um, Carlos Rodon wasn't going to be in the White Sox jersey next year. Um, he was a top two pitcher for the White Sox. And at the same time, man, he had that uh, that connection to the White Sox organization where when he was one of those first guys or well, the first names that you heard attached to the rebuild. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys you were first wondering about it is if he was going to be pitching on the team when they uh, were finally in position to win it all. Uh, a bumpy road. Basically, he was in a position where it didn't look like he was even going to be in baseball. Right. Let alone for the White Sox, they bring him back and he has, you know, the best season of his career and also one of the best seasons in all of baseball. Dusty Baker says something about him at the end of the season that, you know, it made me feel good. It had to make Carlos when I feel good, but Dusty Baker said that he was one of the best left-handed pitchers that he has seen in years. Right. And uh, I just don't know if the White Sox, again, can afford to let that go, given the fact that their pitching staff let them down so hard in the postseason. You know, yes, they had a great regular season, but they completely, you know, didn't live up to expectations in the regular season. And I think he's a little bit more coveted than maybe he was, you know, than he, you know, maybe he was maybe by middle, the middle of the season. But um, you hit it on the head, you know. They definitely are going to be thinking about moving Michael Kopech into that starting rotation. Uh, Garrett Crochet, who's, you know, still super young, uh, but they drafted him to be a starter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that the transition will start on those two players. But I feel like everything has to be on the table, man. And spending money has to be part of it. You have to look at some of your young guys and wonder maybe some of these, are, some of these guys are going to end up being trade pieces, mm -hmm. which isn't a terrible thing because you've got some good young players. You know, whether you're talking about Jake Berger or Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, all guys that, I, you know, I feel are going to get better that could bring over some decent pieces that you can really use to make your team better now. I'm looking at it. Then, you know, when you mentioned second base and right field, I'm wondering how versatile are the players that the White Sox already have. You know, um, you know, Mankata, what if he went back to second base? You know, can can Tim move to second base? These are just things that if, if I'm the GM, I'm just wondering how versatile are my pieces 
and and how you know which will give me you know more opportunity to do things in the off season. Uh, because I think that you're looking at that lineup and you may want to get a, another leadoff hitter. Uh, you definitely want a, some left-handed bats in that lineup. A hundred percent want some left-handed bats in that lineup. Right. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to mess with the chemistry. You know, you don't want to mess with the camaraderie of that uh, clubhouse. So I feel that it's, it's really kind of time to outline who are your untouchable pieces. Who is the who's the real core of this team? Because now you're at a point. Yeah, you, if you if you had World Series aspirations this season, you didn't get them. So now, okay, that revolving door is wintertime. What players are going you know are going to be gone? What new players are going to be in here to add to that core? So you know, Tim is going to be there. You know, Abreu, Eloy, and uh, you know, Luis are going to be there. Let's see what this team can add around them going forward. But uh. I Gino again is it's definitely about the arms. Maddie, one of the things that stood out to me is that when you look at 2005, the last year they won it all, they have that famous stat where all of their starters pitched a perfect game. Yeah. And, then you, and then you look at the way they went out this past season and none of their starters went for innings. I think it just tells you exactly what is most important in the postseason. And if they don't address that pitching, you know, if they don't address the, the starting rotation, it kind of doesn't matter, you know, what the expectations are. You know you've got to have top-level pitching in the postseason. I apologize ahead of time for this question because I know I wouldn't want to answer it. Um, you already sound like you're not optimistic that Radon's going to come back, but what do you do or can you do with Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell? <laughs> the, the Dallas Keuchel one is really hard because yeah. he was like a pinata this year. You know, it was like, who was going to take the bat upside of his head this time? You know? and, and that's, you know, I feel like he would say that, you know, that Dallas Keuchel was really good at evaluating himself. And, uh, and he let it be known after every, he was like, man, that was, that was crap. That, you know, that wasn't at all who I, who I'm trying to be on the mound, but it ended up being who he was the entire season. Wasn't on the postseason roster for that final series. Uh, whether you want to debate if that he had a role, you know, to fill or not. Whew, I don't know if he's a trade candidate. I feel like he's one of those guys where maybe he becomes a spot starter slash long reliever for your team, or, or maybe a fifth starter to start the season. Um, Campbell, you know, the White Sox already showed their hand. Um, pick up that option, see what you can get for him. I think the White Sox maybe have some buyer's remorse in that situation, which is why it was the first piece of news to come out after the season was over. It's like, you know what? We bought another closer when we had a closer and we really needed a relief or, uh, you know, a bullpen arm. And we were trying to put him in a role that wasn't his. So let's, let's make that right. First thing on the, you know, first of all, the business to make that right. The good thing about it is I think a bunch of teams are going to want Kimbrough. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a piece that, I, you know, I feel like, you you know, again, it's a lot of benefit in dangling him. Uh, but at the same time is what I told Gino, hey, what, what if, you know, what if he gets an offseason and can, can be in that role? Or does he, you know, does he want to be the closer for another team? I know that he has 
you know, a, a pretty, uh, pretty prestigious resume where some records that he could, you know, could go ahead and, and, and snatch up that, you know, he doesn't want to sit behind Liam Hendricks another season. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, he's been so good about saying all the right things all year, but... He's got to be a closer. He, I mean, he's been talked about as a potential Hall of Famer since he was like 25. Like, you got to, he's got to go somewhere where he can do that. Facts. Speaking of former Cub, Craig Kimbrell, any parting White Sox words before we officially shift over to the Cubs? I think I think it was a great year. Gino, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was passing it to you. Oh, man, I, I'm just saying I think it was a, a great year. Another year of uh, progression for this White Sox team who uh, continues to grow every year. I don't see a reason why that trend is going to come to an end. Uh, I definitely feel like the White Sox have the front office uh, that is going to make sure that this is still uh, the beginning of their story you know, and, and not the end. So White Sox fans just kind of just back away from the edge a little bit. They, they just want you to know, once you fall, I can't catch you. There's no coming back from that. So let's just stay off the edge. Uh, enjoy the winter. And uh, there's no reason to temper those expectations next season. So uh, thank you. You know, thank you. Thank you to the White Sox for giving Chicago, you know, an awesome year of baseball. As you can hear in the background, my dog either really agrees with you or really disagrees with you. I'm going to go with the, with the former. So. <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole uh, apartment complex right now, all the dogs are going wild. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, maybe they know with some cubs talk on the way. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's probably what it is. They're trying to stop oh, us. You know? Neighbor dog yeah. said, shut that up. <laughs> 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 all right. Cubs. Eugene, we'll start with you. Uh, As the trade deadline is unfolding, what's your what's your reaction? Were you expecting all of that? Just take you back. That feels like a million years ago, but however many months ago. It does. I mean, I expected it. I mean, we all heard the the whispers and the chatter, and we, you know, we we knew it was coming one way or the other, whether it was one of the guys, two of the guys, three of the guys, six of the guys. You know, we knew that, you know, this thing was slowly but surely over. Just I, I felt like one of those guys would be kept around just for the sake. And I felt in my in not in my heart, but just as a business move, I felt like. Anthony Rizzo may be the one just because of his, I feel like he had the most meaning as a Cub, you know, with everything that he's done. I feel like he was the longest tenured 
one outside of Wilson Contreras, I feel like Rizzo was the longest tenure out of out of you know KB, him and Javi, and then you know everything he did with the Lurie Foundation and you know just him being the stalwart, being the guy who you could count on to be in the lineup every day, holding down first base. You know, you know, being just the face of the Cubs. Like if there was a new Mr. Cub, well, there'll never be a you know another Mr. Cub, but a junior Mr. Cub, I feel like that was Anthony Rizzo. And just for like uh nostalgic purposes, I felt like they could keep him around and even contractually, because I don't think, you know, going into the offseason, even with you know, the uh the CBA over on the first and not knowing what to expect going forward. Even if, you know, the best outcome for the players comes about, I don't think Anthony Rizzo is going to get, you know, anything over maybe a two year deal. So I felt like, and this is just me talking, I felt like his best interest would have been, you know, working something out with Jed in the front office and, you know, remaining the cub for the rest of his career. But you know, when, when everything went down and then we heard the back and forth about Jed and what he thought and what Rizzo thought and then with KB saying, you know, he hadn't had a conversation with them since 2017. It was just like something ain't right. So, yeah, I mean, I knew it was happening, Maddie, but when, you know, you know, after the smoke cleared and all of those guys were gone and we knew which direction, you know, these guys. I mean, we knew it when, when Theo got out the jam with a year left on his deal, we knew where this thing was headed. So, I mean, I hated to see those guys go because, you know, our first year, T, was our first year, the, the World Series year, or was it 15? First year was 2016. Yeah, so, Maddie, I've always said that I feel like, you know, I was the uh, the good luck charm around there. And being, you know, being with those guys all of those years and being able to form relationships and, you know, it was sad to see them go. But, you know, I, I definitely don't see any of those guys returning in free agency. And if I was, I'll try to tell the fans, like, get over it, man. Let those guys be, you know, let them move on and, you know, to the, you know, to the next part of their baseball career, the next part of their the next baseball chapter in their lives, man. So um, I'm just, I'm interested to see which way this thing is headed. And you mentioned something specifically, Maddie, about the timeline. It's like, how do you convince a star player to come here when no one knows what you guys plans are? Now you can, you know, you can lie to me and, and kind of tell me what the plans are, but you know, these guys talk, this is a different era that we live in now. This ain't the eighties. It's not the 90s. It's not even 2000. You know, it's 2020. These guys got social media. A lot of these guys play together in these on these AAU teams and in high school and they talk. So it's like, well, what have you heard? What have you heard, man? What are you thinking about playing? What are you thinking about playing? So, you know, it, it's going to be a lot going on in this offseason. But I'm not an optimist, Maddie. I'm not an optimist. And I don't see this thing improving anytime soon. Well, and you, you've known Jed longer than I have. So let me know if this is the same vibe that you've gotten from him, but I feel like he would be the kind of guy who would straight up tell you, I can't tell you what our timeline's going to be. We've got the CBA, like, you know, as a free agent, that a lot of stuff is up in the air. Yeah. I can't give you exact dates. Mm -hmm. 
No, I, I do. I feel like, you know, Jed, you know, having that run with Theo, I think he learned a lot. I think he, first of all, I think he, you know how much Theo loved to talk. So I think, you know, Jed kind of picked that up from him. And Jed was, Jed was good. Yeah, obviously, Theo was better. And I'm, you know, it's no shot at Jed. Theo, <laughs> Theo was great at his job, man. Theo knew how to talk. Theo had a hold on everything. You know the type of program Theo ran. He didn't take no BS. I mean, he was a cool guy when he was in front of us. But behind the scenes, Maddie, you know Theo was about his business and he wasn't taking no shorts. And he had a strong hold on his operation around there. So I feel like Jed is finally... You know, it's now it's his turn. Now the eyes are on Jed. Okay, this, the 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 sixty game sprint. Yeah, we you know that was we'll wipe that season away. But now, you know, with Rossi finally having a year under his belt, Jed having a year under his belt, knowing that hey man, you need a GM, bro. Like you need some help. And now that they've hired Carter Hawkins, you know, we'll finally get to see, you know, uh, uh, exactly where Jed's mind is. But I do agree with you, Maddie. I think that Jeb can't will be straight up with those guys and let them know, like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how the CBA thing is going to pan out. But like I've continued to tell T, Wrigley Field, I can tell you this. If, you, if you're if you a star player and you come to the north side of Chicago, there's a market there for you. So it's all about, you know, it's all about the bridge. Jed and uh and and our boy Tom Ricketts have continued to talk about, you know, the money's there. So you gotta spend it, man. Let's 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 see what rabbit you can pull out of your hat, man. You mentioned the GM hire, and I was gonna ask you what what your initial reaction was to that. I to be honest, I don't know, I don't know much about Carter Hawkins. I've uh I've asked around. And I mean, I know he was, you know, he spent what 13, 14 years with the Indians. I know he, I know that much. But um, you know, the player development is the biggest thing for me. And we've seen over the years, obviously, they haven't been able to develop any homegrown pitching. But I think that's an area that he excelled in, you know, um, with the Indians. So I think being a GM, I think he could you know, lend a helping hand in other areas as well. So I'm I'm just glad Jed hired somebody because it was obvious that he needed help last year. And, I mean, they knew the season was a wash, even though, you know, and this is kudos that you have to give to Rossi for having these guys in first place, you know, at that specific time. So, but, you know, I, I pretty much figured that they, they knew that season was a wash and, you know, now, like I said, it's it's all about Jed and 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 his uh his perspective and his mind moving forward. Yeah, I do not envy him pulling off one of the biggest deadline series of moves all yeah. without a GM. Yeah. Yes. Brutal. So, two parter, Gene, for you. Who on this Cubs team, not, you know, beyond the, you know, the Wilson Contreras's and the Jason uh-huh. Haywards, but the guys who came up in the second half of the season and produced, who do you think they need to keep? And then T, will you give us some perspective on the guys that they got from the White Sox in Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal and what they have there? We'll be happy to. 
Um, if we're talking about specifically, I mean, obviously we saw that the Cubs use the most players in MLB history. You got a lot to choose from. <laughs> you know, but if we're talking specifically about Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel, and my boy Rafael Ortega, is that, am I leaving out anyone? Now, those are the three big ones to yeah. me. I mean, I feel like all three have shown that they can be major league baseball players, not everyday ball players. That's a different story. When you look at Rafi, we'll we'll start with Patrick Wisdom. Obviously, we saw the power. He 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 didn't come up. Well, when did, was he down? What was it? Almost two months, a month and a half. Oh, it's all running together at this point. I think it was. I think he missed close to two months. I think he may have finished with a hundred and fifteen. I don't want to just throw out a random number, but just yeah. say it was two months. I mean, he he's the. We saw him break Chris Bryant's record for rookie, the rookie home run lead. So obviously the pop is there, the power is there. He had an enormous strikeout rate. So obviously that's something that he needs to cut back on. You know, he needs to cut down the strikeouts. But he's shown defensively. We we talk about, you know, being able to play multiple positions in the field. We saw him hold down third base. We saw him hold down left field. We saw him playing right field. We saw him even take a stint at first base. So, um, you know, having that ability definitely bodes well for your chances at, you know, getting a roster spot next year. So I think Patrick Wisdom has a shot at being an everyday player next year. When you look at... Go I've, got, I've got the number for Patrick Wisdom, thanks to baseball reference. Ball 106 reference. games. 106 games. So that's is that close to two months? Maybe a month and a half. One six. Yeah, he was down. Yeah, close to two months. So I'm saying 27 home runs. Hey, he showed the power numbers. He showed the pop. Again, he showed the ability to play all around the field, and that's that's great in this era of baseball. So I do think that there's a win. Now he's 30 years old. So when you talk about that window, Maddie, it's like, well, where does he fit in the timeline? But as far as coming back for 2022, I do think that Patrick Wisdom will be on that roster. And he should he I, I think he'll be the starting third baseman um, for the Cubs next year. When you talk about Rafael Ortega, it's another guy who let off a he let off a lot of games. You know, he showed some pop. The pop is there. He showed, you know, that he could hold that. He could man center field. Um, I think he had an issue with left-hand pitching, you know, hitting the lefties, which a, lot of, which a lot of guys do. I mean, it was his first full year. You know, it's all about the growth and development, what he does in the offseason to combat that. But, again, this is a guy who I think he's shown that he can be a major. And this is something that I don't, I don't think, and not to get too far off subject, Matty, but I feel like if you can play – triple A baseball, mm-hmm. then you can play major league baseball. A lot of guys, they just never get the opportunity. Right. So I, I think Rafael Ortega has shown that he can play major league baseball again, whether he can do it for 150 games. I mean, that's a platoon. Him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that would be perfect for him because I, t- I to be honest with you, I think, Nico Horner is going to spend a lot of time out there next year because I just don't see a Nico Horner 
uh, Nick Madrigal, middle of the infield. I don't, I don't. Especially if they go get your boy Carlos Correa. Hey, (laughs) speaking into existence, Maddie. If it ain't him, Travis, whoever, there are a lot of those guys that'll be available, but that is what they need to address. If you ask me, that's the number one position that you need to address. Because I don't, I just don't think Nico Horner is is a an everyday shortstop. If he plays every day, he's going to wear down and he's going to be back on the DL. And that's not something that you want to see from a guy who you need to be out there every day. And he fits the mold of what Jed Hoyer is looking for. So I see Nico Horner spending a lot of time in the outfield next year. So a platoon position with Rafael Ortega, I feel like that would be cool. Frank Schwindel, I feel like has the biggest upside. You know, he's shown that, you know, he can hit major league pitching. Obviously when, you know, you come in, you surprise a lot of people because there's not a lot of information for us to go off of. So when, you know how I say, Maddie, and we all know this, when the scouting reporters out, they've got a year under their belt. You know, now they can, you know, they can nitpick and they can, you know, the, the report is out now. So now you have to come back and you have to grow o- over the offseason and make those adjustments because you're not just, you know, you're not going to see those, Two old fastballs down right. the middle. Not going to surprise can, anyone. No, you're not surprising anyone. But I think Frank Schwindel has the biggest upside, and I definitely think that he'll come back as the uh, everyday first baseman for for the Cubs next year. So they've got them, as you mentioned, Nick Madrigal, starting second baseman. Tay, take it away. I guess I should start by you know. I wanted to just say the nature of a rebuild. And I like how you guys have, have said that you don't know the timeline because that's just the truth with a rebuild. You just don't know how long that is going to last. And, and the goal is to get players that move you in the right direction. And I think that Nick Madrigal and, uh, and Cody are two players that definitely do that right off the bat for the Cubs. Um, and then I, I know Cubs fans – uh, are really going to like these two players. I, we could start with Nick Madrigal. And um, looking at how the White Sox entered the season, I think I have to say that the White Sox missed, you know, what Nick Madrigal brought to the game, man, especially his uh, his approach to hitting with, with two strikes. Um, uh, he's a special player on that front. Um, his defense and uh, base running is not on the level of his offense, but um he he's one of those guys that's you know a, a 300 plus hitter um can can lead off and, and I feel like that's a uh, a position the Cubs have been looking for for a long time Nick Madrigal I think comes into uh comes into the fold automatically being a candidate to fulfill that uh and then you look at uh what Cody Harrell brought to the uh brought to the table made you feel like it, you know, if he stayed on, on, on the south side for a little bit longer, would he have been able to give the Sox more than Kimball did? And I don't know if you'll find too many people that say that, uh, that will say that he wouldn't. You look at his uh, his big picture, and he totally looks like he can end up being a, a closer or a, for, uh, for the Cubs for years to come. Um, I think that he's going to be groomed for that, He you know, that closer role. And you're looking at a guy that can, you know, 25, 30 saves uh, a season is, is what I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, ends up being his uh, his ceiling. 
so I feel like in, in this in, in this situation, we spent a lot of time talking about the White Sox getting uh, a Lloyd uh, Jimenez from the Cubs, and that was a big loss. The Cubs got some get back. They got a, a look or two back uh, with getting these two players, and I got to admit that in the beginning, because I thought the, the White Sox were getting more in Kimbrough, I thought that it was an easy move to make. I'm like, oh, yeah, Nick Maddox will block, you know. But now you didn't get a, you know, a long-term replacement. And at the same time, Nick, you know, the positives and everything Nick Magical brings to the table, the Cubs are really going to love. And uh, that second base, Jen, you were talking about second base being, a, you know, who's going to be there up the middle. You know, Nick Magical will make you guys happy for some years to come, bro. <laughs> awesome. All right. For fixing the Cubs. <laughs> it's easy. Just listen to us, right? <laughs> Book, Mr. Ricketts. So, Gino, you've got shortstop as your number one priority. What comes after that for this offseason? Starting pitching. Mm. How much do you think they're going to spend? Whatever it takes, Maddie Lee. <laughs> well, I, that obviously that's not true. <laughs> that's what you would do. Yeah, I mean, you got to play. You got to. This is the third largest market in sports. This is not Tampa. In the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays have even mm-hmm. found out that you know what, we got to spend a little money if we want to keep up with the Joneses. You know, so I feel like as much as Tom Ricketts and Jed have talked about having this payroll for next year and being able to spend whatever, you got to go out and do it. Now show and prove, man. And there's, there's a lot of arms. There'll be a lot of arms out there. Now, there are a lot of older guys. When you look around, I, I, you know, I've looked at the free agent sheet basically all year. I, now that we've been off for a few days, my mind is kind of clear. But, you know, there are a lot of guys, when you look at, like, Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw <laughs> and all of these guys who are in their mid to late 30s, who are available. And it goes back to what you said, Maddie. It's all about the timeline and getting back to winning baseball. So I'm not sure a lot of those guys fit the Cubs timeline unless something drastic happens and they happen to bring in, you know, these two or three big name free agents. And then you, you couple them with maybe at least, at least two big time starters. So when you look at a guy like, I think Gosman is available, obviously Robbie Ray, and guys of that nature is—is is Robbie? You think you guys think Robbie Ray is gonna win that Cy Young in the AL? Oh, I haven't looked at it yet, but yeah, he definitely got a chance, Gino. But you know, to piggyback on what you were saying, I, I feel like the Cubs have so much that they that they need to do to improve. It's almost like a situation of what do they want to address this year? And to, you know, Maddie, like what what are the top four or five things? that they need to do. I feel like the Cubs are maybe two off seasons away from, from, from made from being in a position to bring in multiple big names. Um, I've, I'm, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm worried that they're not done, you know, cutting. And I don't know if this is the bottom. I, I still think they have some players on the roster that they have to decide what they're going to do with starting with Wilson Contreras. You know, um, j- just another piece that could, you know, that may not be there that maybe extend, you know, the uh, 
the 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 length of a rebuild. I you know when it when it comes to the Cubs, I I just don't know. It's hard to say what the what the most important or most pressing issues are because I feel like everything needs to be addressed for the Cubs. They, they have a they, they have a farm issue where I'm not sure if they if they like how much homegrown talent they have and, and may feel like they need more. I don't know if they're in position to attract free agents, and then they may be they may need four starters. <laughs> and, and we talked about this before the season, Maddie. They put to, they put band aids on the pitching staff going into this last season, and I, you know I remember what you said about Jake Arrieta. It's like okay, we signed Jake Arrieta, and oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and and I feel like it's that's still the case where they're going to put together a pitching staff that's going to get beat up on for the most part, uh, and then like the, I love what you said, Gino, about the players that they have. They definitely do have some talent. That was kind of surprising to me. You know, after the trades, they got some guys on the team that that are fighters, that that are gritty, and and that I that I feel like can grow into those prototypical Cubs baseball players. But at the same time, I, I am very worried that this is a team that's staring at being the worst team in baseball mm. for two to three seasons. Mm. And and it's going to be some pressure on Jed to make sure that that's not the case. But as things are right now, as of tonight, whew, he has a very tall task to, 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 you know, to put a, even a close to winning baseball team out there on that field, even though I know right now that's not what it's about. Yeah, no, you're right. They've, they've got a lot of steps to take. And I think signing Wilson Contreras to an extension is one of those that they've got to, yeah. Start prioritizing. Um, mm. I think their division does help that because they keep talking about, our, well, we want to be competitive. It's like, well, let's define competitive. Are we yeah. talking about competitive in the playoffs or are we talking about competitive in the division? Because you can yeah. go sign a couple guys and be competitive in the division unless the Cardinals decide to go on however long their winning streak was at the end of the year this year. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, but being competitive in the playoffs and, and like you just put it to, I guess, kind of competitive in the free agent market, that could be a, a different story. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, you do always, you know, the, the mystique and the uh, nostalgia uh, of the organization and, you know, Wrigley Field. If I was a free agent and the Cubs called me, I would be like, hey, I tell my agent, hey, that's that's Wrigley and the Cubs. You know, I put on the pinstripes and be good. At the same time, over the last few years, I, I, and I think it's a positive. I feel like the Cubs may have developed a new reputation or a new aura. I mean, they're not the lovable losers, and I feel like the fans don't don't want them to be that. You know, you spent enough years being a lovable being a lovable loser. It's okay to hate losing for a couple of years, okay? It's okay to to not be to not love losing, and I I think the F- Cubs fans have come around to that. It's like, no, you got to put a, a winning team out there to get forty thousand in there again. When that used to just be just put out a team, we'll show up, we'll you know we'll buy all the beer. I don't know if that's the case anymore, and I think that will put more of an incentive behind 
Jed and the new GM and everybody that's making decisions over there, it's like, look, this ain't your, this ain't your grandfather's Cubs. It's gonna look like uh, it's gonna look like U.S. the U.S. Cellular days if uh, if we don't you know put things together, and uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It, it, that could expedite things, and you want to see butts in the seats and everything like that. But um, yeah, you know, if, if they don't get some of that that homegrown, some of that talent that they have there, if they can't you know progress and, and see the see those guys grow, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's time. It, uh, you know, they showed their hand with with letting that core go. I mean, it's a new regime. It's time to just just blow it all up if that's the case. And this is something I, me and T, and let me know what you think about this, Maddie. But what about Jay Hay out in right field? Because for me, Brendan Davis needs to start next season as a major league baseball player, especially with I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to put that service time thing to rest. So that's not going to be an issue. So Brennan Davis needs to start. And you, were you on the call? No, you probably, you weren't, were you on um, the call with Jed? I was not. I was. Yeah, you were. Houston? Right. You were handling. Traveling to Houston? <laughs> I think I was on a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't come forward because he was asked about, you know, the plans for Brennan Davis and he didn't, you know, Jed, he's going to keep it on the low. Mm-hmm. But it was basically like, look, man, if you guys are, if the message is clear, then what growing does Brendan Davis need to do in triple A? It's like he needs to start his career with the Chicago Cubs major league baseball team in February, you know, of 2022. So it's like, Obviously, Ian Happy had a very good last two months of the season, so obviously he'll be manning left field. I feel like, like I said, I mean, if Rafael Ortega, you know, is on that roster next year, I still feel like Nico Horner would be the starting center fielder. And mm-hmm. when you look at right field, obviously Jay Hay has a couple years left on his deal that, yeah, I don't, they're, they're not friendly at all. No, I don't think anyone's going to pick that up. So when you think about Brendan Davis, it's like, do you have that conversation with Jay Hay where it's like, hey, look, bro, we know you're beloved. You know, you're one of those guys. We know about 2016 and that whole speech during the (laughs) rain delay. And, you know, we know what you mean to Chicago. We know what you mean to this franchise. We know what you mean to this clubhouse. But it's a new day. So we'll get, we'll pay you your 22 mil, but you know, come on, have a seat next to Rossi, man. And, uh, you know, show this young guy how to be a professional and how to have a 13 year plus career that you're having. And I I was just wondering, you know, Jay Hay is one of our guys. So I, you know, I was thinking about having trying to have that conversation with him somehow, some way. But, you know, I'm interested to to know what you think about that, Maddie. Yeah, I feel like if anyone with his type of career and of his caliber were to take that conversation well, it would be Jason Hayward. 100%. I agree with you that I don't think you can move his contract. It's a tough one to get anyone to bite on. Um, 
I do wonder though if the Cubs they've been here and there they've been careful about not wanting to move guys up too fast and you might be completely right that there's nothing else that he could get from a year of AAA but I wonder if they'll if they'll want to I don't know if it's shielding him from a level of scrutiny or of whatever it might be, or just wanting to not make him feel rushed, but they might, they might just be like, well, give him one more year. Again, we come back to what, what the timeline is, right? Does he have, what would uh, slow playing it work along with that timeline? I don't know because I don't know what the timeline is. Um, But I wonder if they'll just, you know, with the Nico thing, there was a lot of other layers to it. But I think we all were, I guess, didn't quite buy the excuse that he needed some time in AAA. At all. But if you want, I mean, to their credit, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a lot you can say. I've just opened up a can of worms. But he came up pretty quickly after that, and he looked really good. So you could argue like, hey, guess it guess it happened the way that they would have have wanted to. And then they got to keep all of their various infield options on the roster without, you know, exposing any of them to waivers. Look, uh, all I'm saying is Brennan Davis has had his 700 minor league at bats. It's time for him to come get out with the big dogs. I don't think. And of course, this is me talking. Jed and those guys know a hundred times more baseball than I do. And I know that they can see what I can see. And this guy is ready to explode on the scene. And I feel like it fits the timeline. Like what Terrence said, I I 100% agree with you, T. I definitely think that they're at least two years from being what Maddie said. Are we talking even competitive in the National League Central is one thing, but being competitive in in making a playoff run is something else. So I think they're a couple years away and now is the time. It's like, well, you're trying to find your lane and you're bringing all of these new, you're letting Frank Schwindel find his footing. You're getting Patrick Wisdom his first full year. This is the perfect time to integrate uh, Brennan Davis in there. You're putting Nico Horner in a position where you think he can be most successful. Like I said, I think if you put him at shortstop, he's not going to last. And you do not want that guy. He's had enough injury problems mm-hmm. already. So you're trying to find yourselves. You're trying to find out if Nick Madrigal is your second baseman for this next great Cubs team. Again, when you got Wilson Contreras, who's been vocal about where he stands, he's like, yeah, I would. This is Chicago. It's the Cubs. This is a historical franchise. Of course, I'd love to be here. But where are we headed? Mm-hmm. I'm not 24 year old Willie anymore. I'm a 30 year old veteran now. And then when you look on the flip side, it's like, well, is Wilson Contreras the guy that you want leading these this next group? Because we, Maddie, you know, T, you know, Willie is a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve, man. He's a fiery guy. The stuff that he said, you know, in the middle of the season, I mean, hey. what he called him out. Whether it was right or wrong, that's how he does his thing. And I don't know how i mean i don't think rossi was really feeling that 
I don't think Jed was really feeling that. And I don't know how much that'll play into, you know, giving him that contract extension and having him around as one of your leaders for that next club. And you think about Kyle Hendricks, another guy who Kyle is like my favorite guy. I love Kyle. And I think Kyle is a viable asset for you. Is he a number one? Nah, I don't know about that. As much as as much as Cal has sustained over the years, and you know when you look at the history of baseball, Roger Clemens, Dwight Gooden, Nolan Ryan, the best Randy Johnson, all of these guys have had those hiccups. You know when you look at Cal, this is really like his first bad year. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all about that timeline. But back to Brendan Davis, I just feel like he's had his he's had those. You know, they say, you know, you need those 500 to 550 minor league ABs before you, you know, you're ready for the show. I just feel like there's nothing for Brendan Davis to prove down there. And now is the perfect time to give him the keys and and, and let him show what he's got. I, I just want to say, buddy, in real quick, Maddie, can Jay Hay get a little bit more love from the Cubs fans? Is it possible? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, is it possible think, that they show him a little bit more I love? I think that's the Internet. I think real Cubs fans know what Jay Hay means. It's not all about those numbers, man. It's yeah. not all about what shows up on the scoreboard and in the box in the box score. And, and like you said, Maddie, he's such a, a just a good, you know, veteran. You know, he he's a guy that is not going to, you know, blow things up. He, he's going to take it in stride. And, and I know that he's put his best foot forward in these last couple of seasons, even though it may be time, you know, in a rebuild, those young guys got to get it back. You you know, the situation, like you said, Gino, it's a new day. Uh, But I definitely, you know, I feel like Jay Hay is one of those guys that deserve, you know, the tip of the cap on his way out, you know? No doubt about that, brother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems like a great place to wrap this up. And we have, a couple minutes left before zoom kicks us out. So (laughs) thank you guys so much for coming on and for everything you've done for me the last couple of years and just welcoming me to the city. And it's been just a pleasure getting to see more of you the last couple of years at at baseball games and covering these playoffs and all that. Maddie, I have no problem saying that the city needs more of you. Um, I'm, I'm excited for, uh, for what's in front of you. I know that uh, you're one of those, you know, special people in our city that uh, I know it's only up from here. So I, I totally appreciate everything uh, that you've done for us. Sharing your platform with us, it means the world to me. And I hope uh, that you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Thank you. That means so much. Yes. Uh, you definitely, you, you know where we stand, man. You are the best, like T said, man. We need more of you. And anytime we can hop on a pod or, you know, anything, whatever we can do to aid and assist you, we are a phone call or a Twitter DM away. So do not hesitate at all. And um, you know the hashtag we use. It's us, man. It's us. <laughs> your family. We, we, we don't call our, you know, our Instagram, you know, followers. And we call them family members, Maddie. So you are one of our family members. And don't you ever forget that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're the best. It's us. That's a perfect way to describe those guys.
Eugene McIntosh and Terrence Tomlin from the Bigs Media co-founders, just all around lovely human beings, and I always have so much fun talking baseball with them. And I'm so glad that that is the tone that we're ending this season on, and not just this baseball season, but this is going to be my last episode of this first season of More Than a White Man's Game. It has been so much fun going on this journey, just kind of diving in. Didn't know entirely what to expect, but I've had some awesome people on here talked about some great things and I'm just so thankful to House of L and Lawrence Holmes for making this a possibility and really encouraging me to kind of explore and find my voice and use this platform in a way that that made me I guess excited about the subject matter and and talking about things that I really cared about so can't thank Lawrence Holmes enough. Can't thank you all enough for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It's been a ton of fun. I'll be back next year. Going to take some time off to rest and recuperate from a very long season and think over this season and see how we can come back better than ever. So I'm stoked for season two. However, that will look and really excited to to relaunch that and also get the chance to reflect on all the all the episodes that we've done this year and and how enjoyable it's been so thank you again for listening while I'm gone on this little break make sure you tune in to all the other wonderful podcasts on the House of L network and I'll see you next time Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.